You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tristan here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. I'm sitting here opposite Andrew Holland um, here at Brighton. Where? It's Andy. I hate. I'm not, oh. Nobody calls me Andrew. Right. So I, I just messed up. Uh, let's see. I'm sitting beside Andy, Doctor Holland. <laughs> God. <laughs> what, what's it like being named after a country? I'm not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. Anyway. They're named so, after me. <laughs> ooh. Actually, there's some history in that. Really? Yeah. Really? What, what, what would, what, I, how do you call Holland? Uh, it's a it's an Anglo-Saxon clan right. uh, with Norman links as well. We're one of those weird families that bridge the channel and we're in both sides. So with a fifth century Anglo-Saxon clan. So we're not named after the country at all. Nice. It comes from Hoyland, nice. something like that. It means hollow land, low country. Strange, strange. Anyway, so anyway. tell us a little bit about where you... We've actually spoken before, I think, last year. So, yeah, I think so. But as a refresher, in case anybody hasn't listened last year, um, so you're part of which university? I'm the university of Brad, from the University of Bradford, uh, where I'm doing a postdoc uh, following my PhD, um, just researching you know, as part of a larger project called Fragmented Heritage, although I do lots of other things as well as that. So. Right, 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 right. So... Uh, have you presented uh, at the conference, uh, or will you be presenting at the conference uh, this year? Uh, not this year. I have presented in the past. However, instead of presenting, I'm on two panels. So we have, I'm a forensic archaeologist as well as playing with 3D systems. Um, and we have a forensic archaeology special interest group session on Friday morning where we'll have the expert panel, which I'm the secretary of. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a panel session, question and answer session. And then because I'm chair of advisory council for CIFA, um, I'm part of the plenary panel and the plenary session on the, right at the end of the conference on Friday afternoon. Awesome. So forensic uh, archaeology, what's the main difference there? Um, okay. Um, the, the spiel I give to students particularly and to prospective students, I suppose, would be applicable here. And that's that archaeology looks at um, tiny clues and, uh, um, as evidence of the past activity. Forensic archaeology works with the police who are interested in tiny clues about recent past activity, usually for a criminal investigation. And so there's a clear synergy there. And um, over the last sort of 25 years or so, that's been that's built and to become a, a whole discipline in itself where we support criminal investigation, disaster victim identification, mass fatality investigations, all those sort of things, using archaeological skills. That's actually really cool. And that kind of does tie it to the whole kind of um, silent witness kind of thing. <laughs> uh, obviously, Silent Witness is a TV show. Yes. Um, but no, no, that actually generally sounds really, really interesting. What, what is your kind of, what makes you tick in archaeology? What what really gets you up in the morning? Um, <laughs> I'm... It's a personal question, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I suppose what really, I really love about archaeology is the connection to the past. Um, I think when I was a 
before I was an undergraduate, in fact, before I was an A-level student, when I was still at school, I went off and did some excavations, volunteers, um, and that tangible link, that ability to pick up an object, to excavate it from the ground, even if it was just a piece of rimless pot sherd um, with very little archaeological value, it, to me it was still amazing as a child that, you know, that I was picking up a pe an object that hadn't been touched for three, four, five hundred years, maybe even more, and that, that there was a physical link to the people in the past, and I could imagine how they behaved, how they behaved and interacted with this. And that interest in the, that's what spurred my interest in the past. And it grew from there. So. This conference is really a melding of um, academic and commercial archaeological enterprises. And I'm just wondering, what do you see as the way to bridge the gap? Because there has always been a kind of a difference between academic and commercial archaeology. From your perspective, what does a conference like this do? Does it bring people together or does it just, are the lines still there? I think the lines are still there. I think they always will be to a degree. I think the, what this conference does um, is allows allows a space in which we can talk about how we might bridge those gaps, what the what the big big ideas are, and to think about those big ideas, to talk about the way that we want to see archaeology develop in the future. Um, both at the sort of purely sort of practical level of do we want to become a chartered or um, do we want to take our charter and we can have chartered archaeologists? You know, all those sort of technical details which are really important. But also at the sort of, where's archaeology going? What are the big questions we're trying to answer? How do we get people to talk about outside of their small silos, of their either their academic research areas or their commercial um, you know, commercial work areas and, uh, and talk to each other. And that, that, that's what this conference is doing. So hopefully, um, I don't know how, hopefully it'll do that. I don't know how we bridge that gap, but that's what the conference we're hoping is doing, is coming up with ways and, and ideas on how to do that. I've started asking people a very simple question. What do you think of theory, archaeological theory, and just seeing what the answers are? What, what, how do you feel about archaeological theory? Um, I think it's incredibly important. The idea that you can carry out something we think of almost as a scientific discipline, such as archaeology, um, and be able to use archaeological evidence to talk about the past without examining our own preconceptions, the, the, the way that we make those decisions, and therefore the, and, you know, the application of theory to our, um, to our interpretation. The fact that we might, the idea that we couldn't do that seems nonsensical in any other field. So why would it be acceptable in archaeology? Of course, we should be looking at theory. That said, on a day-to-day -day basis, sometimes, you know, obviously, we're not always desperately thinking about phenomenology or whatever else. Um, but it should be there. It's key to um, any um, archaeological in education, be that undergraduate or apprenticeship or whatever method you, you go. Um, and I think it's important to our understanding of the way we review our understanding of the past and our own uh, interpretations and biases, etc. What projects that you're currently working on do you really like to talk about? What, 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 what do you really want to signpost with the chance? Yeah, uh, we, 
got some, I'm, at Bradford we've got some amazing projects we're working on at the moment. I'm part of a, I was part of a project called Digitised Diseases, which has been over a couple of years now, but we're still working on it, which brought um, 3D digitised versions of um, pathological skeletons, clinical elements, and put them on the web for anybody to view in 3D. We've taken that further with other 3D projects. At the moment I'm working on called, one called Fragmented Heritage, where we're looking at using 3D systems and 3D digitization to visualize everything from the microscopic scale right up to the landscape scale. And part of that is a citizen science project called Fossil Finder, which you can go onto the web and anybody can go on and join. It allows anybody to take part. We've got some um, overhead photography flown um, by drones in Kenya in the Takana Basin prior to the ban on drones, which they're now changing again, thankfully, which will allow us to do some more field work. Um, and that is resolved down at um, less than millimeter um, resolution, which is incredible. Um, and that means that we chopped it up into small squares. You go onto, the web, onto our website and you can identify fossil hominid remains, fossil animal remains, plants, lithics. Um, and staring at the ground may not sound all that great, but it is really interesting. And it's engaging a very large number of our users who are uh, who are taking this data and they're doing new things with it that we didn't think they would so they're actually starting to drive our research ideas and our research questions for future projects because they're allowing us to think outside the box because they are outside the box and that's fantastic and to the point where some of our volunteers are actually becoming our authors on some of our papers so you know we're engaging with the public not just showing them stuff but actually having them to show us stuff as well that sounds absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. No problem. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.